Chapter 8 Wonders of the Modern World The end of this year's trip, but the journey continues as farmer rounds the corner. Every vacation, by definition, must come to an end. And now we're on the home stretch of our analysis, it's almost time for us to pack away the sunscreen and beach towels and start planning to transfer back to the airport. While it's not been possible to visit every attraction which Farmer has in our trip, we've certainly seen some wonders of the modern scientific world. The seven wonders of the ancient world are the kind of thing which every school kid knows. Less well known are the new seven wonders of the world, of which, confusingly, there are eight. In the year 2000, a campaign and a poll were started by a private foundation to choose the seven wonders from the modern world. However, the poll was considered unscientific and was ultimately frowned on by UNESCO. Nevertheless, it was reportedly one of the largest polls ever run and presented its results in 2007. As the only survivor of the original Seven Wonders, the Great Pyramids at Giza were granted honorary inclusion in addition to the seven poll winners which were the Great Wall of China, Petra in Jordan, the Colosseum in Rome, Mexico's Chichen Itza, Machu Picchu in Peru, the Taj Mahal in India, and Rio's Statue of Christ the Redeemer. I feel privileged to have visited three of these already, with several others on my must-see list. If the farmer world held a similar poll on modern world wonders, there's no doubt in my mind what would get my vote. The COVID-19 vaccines. I commented last year on the extraordinary achievement of bringing vaccines from bench to populace, crossing the Rubicon in the short space of 10 months. In many respects, we've been extremely fortunate. The earlier outbreaks of SARS and MERS had precipitated a huge amount of basic scientific work, which we were now able to capitalise on. Despite appearances, Rome wasn't built in a day here. And work on the RNA vaccine technologies was also just coming to fruition at the right time. Let's not forget, however, that we should be grateful that the novel coronavirus proved to be vaccinable in the first place. Not all viruses are. An unfortunate example is HIV, which we seem to be no closer to producing a vaccine against almost 40 years after it was first discovered. Just imagine if SARS-CoV-2 had proven to be as difficult a nut to crack. It doesn't bear thinking about. And there's nothing to say that the next zoonotic virus to make the leap into humans won't fall into this class or have a much higher mortality rate. In that nightmare scenario, it could be goodnight Vienna. In many respects, we might have gotten away lightly this time. The real achievement of 2021, however, at least in the so-called developed world, has been the vaccine rollout. At the time of writing in late January, my own country, the UK, is reporting 90.9% of the eligible population has received a first dose, with 83.9% receiving a second and 64.3% having had their third booster dose. This was a huge logistical achievement, facilitated by our wonderful National Health Service. It is this broad vaccine coverage which seems to have allowed us to ride the Omicron wave while not fully closing down our society and economy again. Caveat again with the phrase, at the time of writing. While the UK is fortunate to have one of the better vaccine coverages in the world and a relatively small anti-vaxxer cohort, the picture is less rosy elsewhere. It has often been said that no one is safe until everyone is safe. 
the way the Omicron variant has swept across the world after its first detection in Africa, is proof of this mantra. While vaccination programmes remain woefully incomplete in many of the world's poorer countries, there's always the chance that another, more dangerous variant could yet emerge, which could evade the current vaccines, sliding the world backwards again. It is estimated that, to get over the acute phase of the pandemic, more than 70% of the world's population must be fully vaccinated. We are nowhere near that yet. Latest estimates put this figure at around 52%. However, a glance at the World League table reveals many countries in Africa and elsewhere languishing at below the 20% mark. The focus of public health officials must now be to get the vaccines to everyone who still needs them, irrespective of geography and wealth. As we start to emerge from the long shadow of the Covid pandemic, the industry is to be again congratulated for not being thrown off its stride. In fact, it rather has a spring in its step. We have already seen how clinical trial activity bounced back and adjusted very quickly. But let's take a moment to reflect on just how well R&D as a whole has not just survived, but flourished. All those work-from-home orders, all those disruptions to supply chains, and the industry still managed to grow massively. It has arrived in 2022 with bigger and more robust pipelines. A shot in the arm from new technologies, and, importantly, with a hugely enhanced reputation with the majority of the public. I say the majority advisedly, as one unfortunate side effect of the pandemic is that it has thrust pharma onto a new front in the ever-expanding culture wars. Biomedical science has always been part of this, particularly in the highly contentious, in the US at least, women's right to choose issue. But now anti-vaxxers, which were to an extent always a thing, have grown in volume, at least, and in numbers probably too. The degree of misinformation and vitriol laying at the pharmaceutical industry has been unprecedented. There was of course a slew of rumours suggesting that the vaccination rollout was a plan by Bill Gates slash the government to gather our data slash tag us all. And that our DNA was being altered. All utter nonsense of course, but it's concerning how these things spread through social media propagated by those with their own agendas and targeting those in society who are the most vulnerable. While for the majority, the pharmaceutical industry has emerged more strongly supported by the public than ever before in recent history, for a minority, it has become more evil, profit-motivated and pervasive than ever. It's something that pharma must remember to keep in its rearview mirror. With global supply chains still recovering from the battering they received from the pandemic, new threats to global stability seem now to be emerging. Fuel prices have soared raising the spectre of high inflation in many countries. In a not unrelated threat at the time of writing, the world's media is convulsed by the potential invasion of Ukraine by Putin's Russia, an event which would send further shockwaves through the global economy. While the US has stabler government than it has had to contend with in the past few years, its society, like that of many other countries, remains deeply divided. And the future direction of the FDA is unclear. The Aduhelm debacle, whereby Biogen's new Alzheimer's drug was controversially approved, based largely on biomarker rather than efficacy data, has undoubtedly tarnished the agency's reputation somewhat. It also set it at loggerheads with payers, many of whom decided not to fund it. And the molecule's future currently remains uncertain. 
with Dr Robert Califf nominated by President Biden to take over as its new commissioner, the FDA is at something of a crossroads. So while there is light at the end of the tunnel, it's not as if the world is emerging untroubled into the sunlit uplands of the post-pandemic landscape. How do industry experts see the road ahead for 2022? Mena Banam, partner at Sofinova Partners, quoted in InVivo, stated that the fundamentals remain strong for biopharma, continuing demand for new medicines and outstanding returns. As we shall see in the forthcoming supplement to this report, New Active Substances, launched during 2021, the industry seems to still be in pole position in its primary goal of delivering novel therapeutics, having had another phenomenally successful year, and we expect this trend to continue. Financially, pharma still looks to be in the driver's seat. Another of our sister products, Biomed Tracker, reported 3,148 pharma deals during 2021, including 1,610 financial deals. Also quoted in InVivo, Bjorn Odlander, founder and managing partner of HealthCap, said that he expected VC funding momentum to continue in 2022 for both earlier and later rounds of private financing. Has then the pandemic actually boosted pharma overall? Speaking to Scrip, Pierre Jacquet, vice chairman of LEK Consulting's healthcare practice, reckoned that a significant chunk of growth from now to 2026 will come from COVID-19, with 200 to $300 billion in potential vaccine and therapeutic sales over the next four to five years, something which he thought might compensate in part four, a market that starting in 2022 is exposed to more than $150 billion in loss of exclusivity over the following five years. In the same article, Jonathan Rigby, CEO of Revolo Biotherapeutics, also saw pandemic-related upsides. With the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, Biopharma will continue to reinvent how it looks from the corporate to clinical perspective, including incorporation of hybrid employment to virtually run clinical trials that can allow for enhanced patient participation, he said. I expect that these reinventions will lead to a more innovative workforce that is better informed by inclusive and robust clinical trial data. However, a note of caution was sounded by Hing Wong, CEO of HCW Biologics, who pointed out that COVID-related research and drug studies have and continue to consume considerable resources. This and the near record amounts of capital created by the biotechnology industry over the past two years have combined to create a research logjam, with contract research organisations and contract manufacturing organisations unable to keep up with demand for their services. With some CMOs reporting a two-year backlog, drug makers are facing long queues to get CTM, clinical trial material, manufactured, a situation that could significantly delay pre-clinical and clinical trials this year. The truth is very much that things are still in flux. As comedian Lily Tomlin once joked, the road to success is always under construction. Nonetheless, at the start of 2022, the pharma industry looks to be firmly in control at the wheel. There may be many forks and bumps in the road ahead, it may even hit the occasional roadblock, and it may wander occasionally off the beaten track. But as it leaves the COVID pandemic for dust, it appears to be cruising, foot on the pedal, and full steam ahead. 
It has very much gone the extra mile in the past two years, giving the green light and going from 0 to 60 in a few seconds in its attempts to overtake SARS-CoV-2, a race it finally seems to be winning. As a result, life should hopefully be returning to normal this year, which for many of us means taking long-cherished holidays and long-planned trips again. Time to start thinking about that vacation, because travel really does broaden the mind. I haven't been everywhere, but it's on my list. Susan Sontag About the author Ian Lloyd, Senior Director, Pharma Projects and Data Integration Ian Lloyd is the Senior Director of Pharma Projects and Data Integration, overseeing the content and analyst services for our drug development solution. He supports clients in their drug pipeline data requirements and inquiries, providing insight into the best search strategies to answer their drug-related business questions and also identifying and analysing trends in pharma R&D. For the past 30 years, he's authored the Pharma R&D Annual Review and its new Active Substances, NAS, launches supplement. This has become a must-have industry report for those seeking to identify the changing fortunes of drug R&D. Ian joined Pharma Projects in 1987, when it was part of PJB Publications. It was acquired by Informa in 2003. He previously worked in molecular biology as a research assistant at the University of Bristol.